0: Hi, my name is Suzanne Kohlberg, I'm the NOPE coach and I'm so excited to share with Pearl today.
1: Everybody, it's Pearl. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Pearl. And today we've been doing a lot of recording around setting boundaries. So I'm so excited to bring somebody else on to talk about boundaries with us today. And our special guest is coming all the way from the next day in Sydney, Australia. So she's a day ahead of me. And her name is Suzanne Kohlberg. She is an author and coach who helps overgivers and people pleasers learn to set boundaries and say no without feeling mean. Suzanne is known for her straight talking and her wacky t-shirts. She lives in Sydney, Australia with her husband and two awesome children. Suzanne, welcome to the show today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Pearl. I'm excited for this conversation.
1: Yes, I can't wait to get into this today. So tell us about a little bit about you. I know you're from Sydney, Australia, but what led you to do what you're doing today?
0: Oh, I was gonna say, long story short, they say that you teach what you most need to learn so that you can learn it. I I'm the youngest of four, and it's kind of easy being the youngest to be the one who is the people pleaser, is the placator, is the one who takes up the least amount of space and bees quiet and, you know, kind of um helps everybody else to get along. And then eventually you kind of realize that you lose sight or you've never really known who you are in amongst that because it's, I know what everyone else likes. And it was very interesting. A, a few years ago, um, it was a birthday of mine. My birthday's about to come up thinking of this today. After recording this, I'm going, i always want to do it. to one of those smash rooms where you get like a bat and smash stuff. Very excited for this. But I remember it being my birthday and getting some gifts from different family members. Gifts is my love language. And it was fascinating because I was like, that's your favorite color. And it's like, no, that's someone else's oh, you really like white chocolate. No, I actually don't like it at all. That's someone else. So you're know, realizing that you, you're the person who kind of knows everything about everyone else and nobody really knows you. But instead of getting in that victimy blame game, martyr kind of thing, it's like, well, who's fault? Like, who's responsible for this? <laughs> Not that you want to be like, hey, look at me or anything like that. But it's kind of like sometimes, you know, being a people pleaser, and being an overgiver and feeling that people don't really know you, Um, the wake up call is that you haven't actually allowed yourself to take up that space and be known. You've just been like, okay, thanks when something's happened. And you don't ever want to like rock the boat or whatever or, you know, be rude by saying, actually, I don't like this. But by realizing that, you know, people, you haven't allowed people to get to know the real you. So... That is a snapshot of how I came to do what I do now.
1: That, that's awesome. And, so, and I am just like you. I'm a people pleaser. I'm a former people pleaser. Um, I used to say yes to everybody and everything. And I struggled saying no. And also struggling for like what you said, letting people get to know who the real me was. And, you know, I thought I had to be this person that was out there. Um, and then as I started to come into understanding I have to learn to say no to others, I actually like went through this process of having a pebble. I talk about this often on a show is I had a pebble and I had to move it three times in the day by saying no to something. So that was making sure I said yes to what I want to say yes to. And so, you know, I, if I had to put it in my pocket, my bra strap, whatever it was, I had it with me and I found that as I was saying no, I was actually aligning with the things I truly love to do. And then the epiphany was when I said no, there was somebody waiting the wings. I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to help with that. And so had I said yes, I would have held them back, right? So it's it's hard, you know, I was the oldest in the family, the opposite. So you're always, you know, you're the one that set an example. You have to be the example, you know, so you always want to please your parents. But don't do anything wrong. Don't let me find out, you know. So it was that whole narrative that you know, when we're younger and we learn those things, we don't realize it until we get older. It's like, I got to release that stuff. I don't have to please everybody. I don't have to do everything. So I love. Yeah.
0: Something that served us when we were younger can actually be maladaptive when we're an adult. And I loved the, um, example you gave of somebody else waiting in the wings like sometimes when we say we don't want to say no because we don't want to let somebody down or we don't want to leave them adrift but when we say yes and it's not aligned or it's not in service to both of us we are actually getting in the way of somebody who's like sure I would love to do that and we're just kind of mediocre like you know the, the smash room thing's a perfect example I've wanted to go to one for years my husband is not interested in any way shape or form and it's just been you know in the back of my mind and then last month a friend messaged me and she said something rather about it and I said oh I'd love to go to one of those and we live about an hour from each other she said let's find one so we found one in the middle and you know it's her birthday the day after mine and we're gonna the joke is we're gonna get smashed for our birthday but it's like there's somebody who wants to do this just as much as I do and instead of dragging my poor husband along or going on my own which you would be okay but nowhere near as fun when you like put the feelers out there or just allow that match will come along
1: it's that's so true it's like you know my husband and I i there's many things he's like you can go do that that's just not interesting to me. and a smash thing I forget about that that's something I've always wanted to do too so I I wish I could fly to you to go join you but <laughs> <laughs> I can't right now. If you come now. to
0: Australia one day you said it was on your bucket list before it we is, hit record if you come to Australia one day I will take you let's go smash some stuff.
1: I'm in for that I'm all in <laughs> for that so so tell us like um as you have gone through this and you started you know on your journey to overcoming the people pleaser and and really understanding who you were Suzanne in your core tell us how that evolved into your business and then how walk us through like when you're working with your clients how do you help them get to that core of understanding this is a challenge we got to help you work through it and walk us through how you help them do that
0: well so what I've come to creates like a, a formula just to, so people kind of get a baseline understanding. I call it the overgiving cycle. So so many of us, we make plans, whether that be a business plan, it could be an exercise plan, it could be a diet. I can't stand that word. I've got an allergy to it. A meal plan. <laughs> we, we plan. We're like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to, you know, it's going to be great. And then someone comes along, family member, friend, child, neighbor, whoever, could you just, and they ask us to do something. And I just want to put in a caveat here. There's a difference between a legitimate urgency, like someone needs to be taken to the hospital or something, and somebody just, you know, not being organized and then making it our problem. (laughs) Like, could you just pick up my script, take me to this, help me practice, help me study, you know, whatever. And we go, sure. So we drop our thing. We're like, oh, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. I'll write that blog tomorrow. I'll the, the vegetables, they'll last one more day. I'll go and get some takeout because it keeps everyone happy. And then we feel a little bit resentful, whether we admit it to ourselves or not. Sometimes we don't in the beginning. We're like, oh, no, I just, I, I love to be helpful. But after a while, we feel a little bit resentful that we're not actually taking action on our stuff. So the pair for our over giving, our stopping, our stuff, and helping everyone else is over consuming in some way. Giving and receiving are like inhaling and exhaling. You can't have one without the other. They're paired states. So over giving is paired with over consuming, and what this tends to look like is staying up late, watching Netflix, eating chips or chocolate or ice cream. You know, shopping like Amazon Prime is your best friend. You're like, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, and then what we do is we feel really guilty that we of over So we're like, oh, I need a new plan. So it's like that plan, that meal plan, that exercise plan, that business plan, that was no good. I need a new plan. And we spend all of our time looking for the right plan, the one that's going to be, you know, the thing instead of actually going, all the plans work. Like it works if you work it. And the reason I'm not sticking to it is because I'm too much available to everybody else. So it's like learning to intervene in that point of saying no, no thank you, not today, rather than ditching our stuff because that's an external boundary someone's asking. But then we have our internal boundaries. Like if it's like I've got on my plan to exercise but it's too hot, I was saying to Pearl before we hit record, it's really hot here at the moment, (laughs) or it's too cold or I'm too tired. Um, And then what we can do is we can go and look for people to save. Like we can go and martyr ourselves. Oh, do you need help with – and then we, you know, we. We let ourselves off the hook there and then convince ourselves that it's not the right plan rather than not forcing, I don't believe in forcing, but you know, creating momentum in taking action rather than waiting for motivation. So what my, my own journey was, personally, my overgiving was that bad and my overconsuming was food. I was a foodie. So I ate my way to twice what I weigh now. I was 150 kilos, which is 330 pounds. And I tried every diet that I'd heard of, and many I wished I hadn't, <laughs> convinced that I just had to find the right diet. And it was like the more the, the less space I allowed myself to take up mentally and emotionally, sure, I love that color. Yes, I love this thing. Oh, that I can do that for you. Um, the more I ate, the more space I took up physically. And when I started to actually put the boundaries in place and say no to people and feel all those uncomfortable feelings or that fear of disappointing people, the weight kind of took care of itself like it wasn't like nothing I didn't have to do it wasn't it was effortless not effort none so because I was actually following through on the things that I knew to do so so many people I work with I know what to do I just don't do it so let's get you doing that And a lot of that is by saying no to others oh I can't hear you
1: I forgot to take myself on mute. That was so powerful. <laughs> and wow, congratulations to lose, like to recognize that and recognize that how it's affecting your health and to be like, I need to do something because you're right. We we do that. We, you know, we Amazon shop, we eat all those things that we do because we want to suppress very, you know, not face the feelings we need to face because, you know, we say yes so excitedly to everybody. But when it comes to saying no, we're like, I don't, I can't help you do that, right? We're like, oh, I, you know, but it's like say I, I love coaching women, um, we have what we call the Shiro League and our Shiro method. And in our Shiro method, we talk about owning the no, like own that no and say no, just as happily as you say yes, because guess what? You're saying no to them, but you're really saying yes to yourself. And so when you mm-hmm. own that no, you step into that. And, and you're right, like our health can really... It, you know it changes everything about us from your mind body and spirit and your health and is that big part of it and i remember you know i lost my son last july in a tragic car accident and you know i lost over 60 pounds over the last and i've maintained it pretty much over the last five to eight years now. i think it's been and so when he passed it's so interesting how we creep back into those habits those comfort habits right even though we know but when those things creep up on us we get right back in there and i literally was like in december i'm like okay six months this is enough i'm i, I can't go down this path. I didn't live this way when he was alive. Why am I doing this? Just because he's gone. And so I took back that control. I took back that saying yes again and saying no to me. And I said yes to me. And I mean, I'm down like 23 pounds since December and it's awesome, but it's easy to creep into those things because we're afraid to face our fears. We're afraid to answer, you know, state how we feel that, that, that pleasing, you know, can be so daunting that it just sends us down a, a path that mentally is not fit for us. And that's why I love, um, I coach what's called positive intelligence, also known as PQ it's a six week course we identify what are your saboteurs where are the judges showing up are you a people pleaser you know where 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 do you fall on this and then you know are you a risk taker you know are you somebody who's not you know happy because you hit a goal and now you want the next goal right so we walk, walk through that and we talk about that judge and that saboteur and we name we name it like my her name is Betsy Betsy shows up and like hey no Betsy you need to take a walk somewhere else because you ain't coming in here today right and so it's it, it, you you gave great examples of how that can change our, you know, our our life. And over three hundred pounds. That's congratulations, because and that's not easy. Because you had to do some tough work. I'm sure, right?
0: One hundred percent. And I think for so many of us. Our goal seems so far away that we're like, what's today doesn't matter. Like, you know, this one workout skipped or this one extra thing eaten or this one blog post not written or this one newsletter not sent. And we forget the compound interest of these little actions taken consistently and um, adds up to the big thing over time and when we have the slip up like we all do, <laughs> instead of using it as a as a thing to beat ourselves up for or oh, I've blown it now, I'm going to start again tomorrow or Monday, the universal day to change your life um, in this moment in any moment you have the agency to make a different choice. And instead of seeing the slip ups as oh, there's something fundamentally wrong with me or whatever, it's like, oh, you know, I had a momentary lapse or, you know, I'm, I'm a human, I had a human moment and now I I can just make another decision to to pick up exactly here, right now, not, you know, and I think when you take the pressure off of the all or nothing, like you were speaking about resistances, procrastinator, um martyr, like I talk about a lot of these in my program as well, but one of the ones I see is the extremist, the all or nothing, so you're either on on the on the wagon or off the wagon or you're doing all the things or none of the things and you know really coming to terms with that pattern of behavior and as you said like I love how you, you give it a name and acknowledge oh there you are again but you're not driving the bus like you're allowed in the car you have a place not banishing you or exiling you or making you wrong you are a part of me but you're not in the driver's seat anymore
1: yeah exactly and you know I love that you, you know if we're not careful, we let it control us. And then it becomes a huge, bigger issue. And that's why I learned to name her when she shows up and, you know, have that conversation around, OK, this is what you can show up for me today and what you can't. It's so powerful. So as you walk your clients through this, Suzanne, and you you see them, what are some of the biggest things you see right now that most people are dealing with? I mean, you're over in Australia. We're over here in, in, in the US. And I know we've all come through the pandemic, you know, we're this whole new world after the pandemic now. And I know you guys, it took you guys longer to really be out and about than I think we did, right? I think you were still locked down to what, like last last year?
0: We had the longest continuous lockdown in the world in Sydney. It was 114 days or something intense. And we weren't allowed more than five kilometres from our front door. Australians, we're a very sarcastic nation. So a lot of us had the memes of somebody like carrying a door on their shoulders saying not more than five kilometres, I'll just take the front door with me. (laughs) But um, a lot of the things on... On the back end of that is a lot of scarcity from people because there's you know so much unknown or uncertainty. So I'm going to have the thing now because I don't know what's happening tomorrow, um, or you know the threat of a recession or interest rates rising, and this thing that I, you know, I've got to hold on to, I've got to cut back. And it's interesting how when we focus, like it's just a little shift from shifting a focus of cutting back and and controlling and and holding on to that there is no, there's no pie here. It's not like if by you taking something, you're taking away from anywhere else or anybody else having less. It's like just shifting into the to the mindset of you know there is more than enough and by you taking up that space, and it's I think it's different it's claiming rather than taking because I think take is such a strong word. I talk a lot about word allergies and I think take it means take away from like if I take this, someone else gets less, whereas if it's claiming that space and you know um, looking to the future like future you who's already achieved this thing. So the perfect example, my son, He's 7. He has autism. Um so a lot of things that come naturally to people are a struggle for him and my daughter's nine and she's neurotypical and she's like I just don't understand why he has or all... we're having this conversation just last night and she's like why does Casimir see a psychotherapist an occupational therapist a speech therapist like why does he like I never needed any of all these things and it's kind of like how this relates to people pleasing or to people in general meeting yourself where you're at some of us will need support in areas that others don't and it doesn't make sense to you like why are they doing this, but if it makes sense to you that you need this and it feels fulfilling for you so the example that I picked to explain because once again she's nine so it doesn't quite fully get it but I was like something like tying a shoe she's like I've been tying my shoe since kindy and it came naturally it was really easy to her whereas we've been working with my son for months now like just the first knot and then getting the bunny's ears and then you know all this sort of stuff I'm like for some for others of us it takes multiple steps and I think for us to sit back instead of judging and blaming and shooting on ourselves and going, well, you know, this person's so much better than me because they did it faster or whatever. It's not a competition. It's not a race. With my clients, And an analogy I use is we are all a bag of popcorn. <laughs> Stay with me. So you buy the bag of popcorn and you get it from the shop and it says put it in the microwave for two minutes. And you put it in there and you press start and you're waiting and you're waiting. Was it a watch pot never boils or a watch microwave never pops? And like you get to the one minute 30 mark and you're thinking this this bag of popcorn's dodgy. Like I've bought the bung bag. Like I'm hungry and nothing's happening. And then like say one minute 45, you get this errant pop. And then another one, and you're like, great, I've got two kids, I've got two pieces of popped popcorn, like this is not going to go far. And then with like five seconds to go, it's like pop, 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 pop. You know, And then the microwave stops and there's that couple that go afterward, like the errant pops that go. So like we are all popcorn, we go in our own time. Some of us are really fortunate that we're like the minute 40 ones that go at the beginning, and some of us are like the two minute and five second ones. And this is such a short period of time, but in whatever we're trying to achieve, it can be a longer period. And when we stop comparing and doom scrolling on the internet, our life gets a lot easier.
1: I love that analogy. It's so true, too. You put in a popcorn, it's like, is it popping yet? Is it popping? (laughs) I love that thought. And, And you're right, too. And it's important. I love that you're doing this with your daughter so young, because we have to help our kids understand that Sometimes you do need help with things and sometimes things come slower. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means you're, you're learning differently and that's okay. It's like, um, I, I've, I forget how she said it, but I interviewed somebody and she's in a wheelchair and she says differently abled, she called it instead of disabled, I'm differently abled. And I love that, that, you know, that whole process. And that's, I think through COVID, because we all were home inside so much, we have to recognize, and I, you know, mental fitness and mental awareness is starting to become more talked about. Openly, but we still have a long way to go, and to understand that we are different, that everybody learns differently, reacts differently, and then to be able to say, you know, teach your daughter that, well, yeah, you know, you learned at a young age, but it's going to take my your brother a little longer, right? It reminds me of the story I share. Uh, My oldest was adopted, so he was mixed race, and then we had our younger son through infertility. They're like two and a half years apart. And so when Nate first came home, Matthew, we always talked, We, you know, Matthew was mixed race. We didn't really talk color. We, we wanted to let them understand this is how we're different. So Matthew would be like, well, why is he a different color? And I was like, well, you know, you're Czechoslovakian and Haitian. He's Italian and, and German. So we're our colors mixed differently, like when you do crayons and stuff at, at school. And then as our younger son, Nate, was becoming older, he, he, he was a little slow in talking, so he would do this thing where he would scratch at his arm and we couldn't for a while we'd be like Nate you know what's going on he's like he just wouldn't He, you know he wasn't talking very well and so finally one time we're in Virginia we're living in Virginia we're now in Florida and they we had this huge snowstorm and the kids were out there and they were sliding on the sleds and everything and Nate came in into the room and he's like just crying so upset crying and like I take his coat off so I can figure out what's going on and he just starts going at his arm like he's scratching his arm and I was like Nate stop you have to tell me what's wrong because I like I reached that point of not understanding that I probably could have gone you know when I look back I'm like we probably should have took him to see if he had any you know autism traits or anything like that but finally he talked and he goes I just I just I just want to, I just want to be like brother. He thought if he scratched his arm, his color would change. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, we never had that conversation with Nate to help him understand why they look so differently. Right. And so I think in today's world, we need that conversation. We need to be open with conversations of how we're differently abled, how we're differently, you know, created and that some of us learn differently than others. And those are, those are things that we work with and this is how we can support them. And, you know, I was talking um, earlier on another episode, we were, talking about since all this mental awareness that's coming out of COVID, there's so much more awareness of it that in schools and that over here in our schools, we have what's called the morning show, Suzanne. And we, we get on there and we do Pledge of Allegiance and things like that. And I'm like, how cool would it be if we can create like affirmation morning in the morning show like throw in some affirmations it's a beautiful day today you're going to learn so greatly or even like before you end the show go okay everybody sit down put your feet in the ground your hands on your desk and take a few deep breaths and just help them like calm their mind before the craziness of the day and I feel like if we could start incorporating some of that in our schools I hope my hope is that we reduce some of these shootings we see some of the mental fitness that we see because there's some calmness to say I have created this space for you to share, to feel at peace and, you know, have some, have some, you know, some thought process that you're going to have a great day, even though things at home may seem crazy in here is a place you can have a great day. And I, I just so, sort of like, it's been really heavy on my heart lately. And I feel like I'm like, I need to figure out how this goes. Right. And I don't have, my kids are forever 25 and 23. So, and I don't have grandbabies yet. So I don't know how parents do that today with what's happening, you know, especially since COVID. In the world what are you what are your thoughts on that Suzanne?
0: My children's school, um, we haven't been allowed in since COVID, like the parents have to wait outside. But at the beginning of this year, because our school year runs different to yours, we run on the calendar year because our seasons are different, and we were actually allowed in. And given my son with his autism, he can struggle to change to a new teacher, a new therapist, and there can be a transition period. I was concerned. But um, when I got to go in and see around the classroom, they had these posters, which I just loved so much. The children had made, and they had like drawings, children images of brains and it was fixed mindset the teacher had written and they were gray and then they'd written growth mindset and they'd put rainbows on them and then she had helped them create for each of them their own affirmation like their own thing that they say to themselves and because my son does struggle with a lot his is I am resourceful like he, he's welcome to ask and he's welcome to whatever but he can give it a go first I'm resourceful and now I hear him around the house like when he's trying to do something like do up a button or you know um, open the dishwasher or the cupboard like things it I think when when you're what did what did you you said um differently abled. when you're differently abled, I loved that things that are commonplace to somebody else like what do you mean you can't do up a button or what do you mean you can't undo a zipper or whatever like you know so he's there and he's like I am resourceful and the even like he likes to ride his scooter the little clip that goes under to keep his helmet on um he, he'll have a go first before and I'm just been so appreciative of the teacher encouraging and the other thing my daughter she's a bit older and um the 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 boundaries that the school's putting in she wanted to try out for the debate team and they had 50 children and they've got eight spots and I'm like someone's gonna be <laughs> hurt and then they had to bring their cue cards with their prepared speech and on the day only 21 of them had cue cards of the 50 and the teacher said no you can't try out like we told you you had to have brought a cue card oh I know what in my head no nope. sorry you know you were told and a lot of the parents were unhappy with that but I was like no this is teaching them you can't always just get stuff like if you were instructed to do this and you haven't you know so sort they've of called it to the 21 so now they've done the speech and they're waiting so she doesn't know yet. And then just speaking to her afterward, like she's like, I think I was the worst and all these things. I was like, whether or not you make the team, the fact that you had a go and often we're our own worst critic, like you'll get off something and you'll be like, oh, that was terrible. Like that podcast episode, that was terrible. <laughs> Somebody was send you a message and go, that's what I needed to hear today. So even for ourselves as adults, reminding ourselves that to like, we always get to do our best. Our best gets to get better. But, you know, in schools, there is a lot more, especially since when I went to school, they're bringing in mindset and, and thought, work and mindfulness. And like the, my son that's just started a class called ethics. And I said, like, what did you learn in ethics? I was so curious because he's seven. He's like, we learn how to be kind. And I just thought that was so cute.
1: I love that. Wow. How cool that teacher taught them like those affirmations? And I feel like that's what we need more of that. I feel like I was talking about somebody just before I came on with you um, that, you know, there's so much thought about the money behind the education, but we're forgetting the kids. We're forgetting the importances of the kids. And we're putting so much pressure on the teachers that they're forgetting the kids because they're so worried about all these things. And, you know, over here in the States right now, there's a lot to talk about what books are in the in the library. And, you know, some of it I agree with of i don't agree with but we're not talking about what are we doing for the kids to help their mindset to understand that it's okay to have boundaries to take a breath to understand you know you're differently able like with your son you know i just think that's so cool that i'm resource- i mean how cool is that if we could teach our kids at a young age to be like these affirmations and here as a parent like you did suzanne to hear them walk around and say that's like that is so cool i remember my oldest when he was struggling with some stuff i gave him um, a deck of the cards are called Better questions, better life. And he would, he would, you know, journal with that, he would meditate with it and, and all of that. And that helped him. And you could see the days that he was doing really good with it. And you could see the days when he wasn't doing it. And so it's so powerful that we can walk through and, and do those, those tools. So, and how old are your kids again? Seven and nine, you said?
0: Yes, seven and nine.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So with your kids, so there, so your son's learning this in school. So let's talk about that for a second, because your kids are younger You know, often like when my kids hit teen was about when I really started getting into my coaching and they were like, oh, mom, don't do that with me. So what things are you taking with what you do for your clients and instilling in with your kids and kind of like planting the seed for them?
0: Oh, so many things. And my kids, they really benefit from it. And everybody does their business differently. And um, I appreciate some people don't want a digital footprint for their children and they don't include them and th- that's a conscious choice they make. I've gone the other way and, you know, my kids are very much in my business and I swear they have a bigger following than I do. Um, but it's interesting because I'm also like a hypnotherapist and and um, NLP other practices that I do. But, you know, my son, he runs at home little mindfulness classes now and he's like, you hey, close your eyes and we'll go home for 10 minutes. Like he doesn't quite understand, but like, and just the, the practices of, just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it's true like if somebody especially at school like you know and my daughter's getting towards her age now she's nine you know almost 10 with the hormones and the emotions we don't know what's going on for other kids we don't know what's happening in their household and just because they say something it doesn't mean that, that what it would mean here so just that pause not not to encourage my children to be people pleasers. like no not just to put up but just to kind of question like what do you mean by this or is it a cultural difference or is it like they have something going on at home like a kid who was your best friend yesterday and is now you know not what, what is happening for them rather than the, taking everything to heart so much and just also what's going on for, for you personally if someone is something that you've liked but normally today you don't like that not to like yell at your friend or, or be mean to them um it, it's funny it's outside the household there are a lot the, the skills seem a lot like I get lots of comments on it in the house they still bicker they still siblings you know we we have moments but they're like just the ability to just pause rather than instantly react and to think about you know other things as a you know that that instant question the instant thing like it was funny um one boy he like squeezes my son's cheek and my son doesn't like it and I was like you know maybe we're in his household that's like a sign of affection or maybe and I think he said something about uh he didn't say chubby, but he said, you know, some term that my son's like, he means I'm fat. And given my weight history, I'm very sensitive to things about weight, but it was like, you know, we, we make meanings of things that aren't necessarily true. And then communicating that, you know, I, this isn't okay for me rather than saying, don't do this at all. And just, you know, being mindful of language and stuff is a lot that we work on.
1: That's amazing. I think, you know, if we could do more of that as parents with our kids so young, that would, I think we'd see a lot different reactions with kids at school and you know and and having a conversation like with our kids when they come home be like just like what you do with your son like you know you don't know what's going on in the home or maybe that's how they do certain things in, in the home I think it's important that we have those conversations that you're doing with your kids I just love that so thank you for sharing that with us and so our listeners we talk here often Suzanne about self care and we have what's called the Shiro League and then the Shiro League we it came out of like before COVID we kind of had just like it was I do a retreat every year in September and it's a pajama retreat. We, we come, we show up, we take off our makeup. We're in our PJs the entire weekend long. We work on self-care. We have great speakers that come. We have time at the beach and all that great stuff, yoga, meditation, all that stuff happens at the retreat. And so we, you know, one of the things that we work, we're, our, I think our fourth one, our third or fourth one, everybody's like, I want to create, we got to do something to stick together. We, you know, PJ's sisters, so we came up with this name Shiro League. And at the time, it meant nothing other than just that. Women that become superheroes of their self-care. But as COVID came, I was seeing that there's so many women who, whether they're professional and had kids or they were moms with, you know, at home, that they're trying to balance this world of working from home, or maybe you're a CEO mom who ran the house while the husband was at work and now he's home. And all this craziness was happening, trying to figure out the balance in the house that I decided that we needed to do something bigger with the Shiro League. And that's what we started doing on Sunday evenings, all through COVID is when it started. We still to this day do it. The Shura League meets on Sunday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time, and we just support one another. It was finding, you know, finding our authentic self was one of the things we worked on, like putting self-care first was something we worked on. And now it's just evolved that even after the retreat, things we do after the retreat And so we actually, I said, if we're going to do this, we got to break down Shiro. We got to break down what it means. And so we have our Shiro League, but then I created this uh, four month course and it's called the Shiro Method. And throughout that, the words still stand for the same thing. So the S stands for strong or your strength, because in the Shiro Method, as we work through this course, we have to find our strength to say no to others, to say yes to ourselves, to stop putting ourselves in this martyr situation, to stop going after the next thing, to enjoy what's happening in that moment. And as we start on that roadmap, when we become stronger and understanding, I can do these things, I don't need the next thing, I can be happy with this thing. Then we go into the H and the H is happy. So you can become happier. And as you become happier, your strength even becomes stronger because now you're like, this feels good. I'm happy about this. Feeling. And then we get to the E, and the E is empowered because as you are stronger and you become happier. I feel like you become more empowered to, you know, you're you're living the life of saying no, not showing up for anybody else but yourself first. And you're learning to do it without guilt and without judgment. So now you're empowered to go, I want to start a business. I don't want to work anymore. I don't want to do everything in the house. I, this is a home. Everybody lives here. Let's do it together. You become empowered to walk into what your dream is because, you know, we don't know what tomorrow brings. And if I learned that lesson, you know, I already knew the lesson, but if I got a reminder, It was last July when I lost my son. Literally, I was talking to him 20 minutes before his tragic car accident. We said we loved each other and all that. I have that blessing to know that we said that before he passed. But it taught me that, you know what? You're not promised the next 30 seconds. So that's the Shiro method. That's what we do. So once you become empowered, the R stands for radiant. Because I feel like you do what's called glow up. I got this from somebody who was my guest. I'm like, I love that glow up. Like you're glowing up. Like you're walking around. People are going, did you lose weight? Like, did you color your hair? Like what's different about you? And nothing's changed other than you're walking with this confidence that I am like, this is the life I'm supposed to be living, right? And then you get to the O and the O is original. And, you know, everybody's talking about be your authentic self and you know all that foo-foo stuff. What's, who are you to the core? That's what I want to know. Who is that original person in there that was born in this world? Your mom delivered you and fought and went through all that heck for your birth. Who is that DNA? And we break down in this roadmap. We get to that DNA and find this is your original talents. This is what you came in the world with. You've been ignoring it. Maybe it was being a coach. Maybe it was, you know, being a, a President of the United States, whatever that is, you were ignoring it all this year. So now let's get to it because you're cheating yourself. But here's the thing. You're cheating everybody else of that original self to learn from those talents you have. And so for me, that's what being a shiro is. And that's what, you know, when we go through this roadmap and it's called our shiro method, when you go through this roadmap, at the end of the at the end of the 4 months you've learned to communicate your realistic expectations with others because like we said earlier we feel guilty when we say no we feel terrible when we can't do something for our kids because we want to put ourselves first and at the end of the 4 months you realize you know you people call it filling your cup i call it putting your cape on and you just don't stick it over your shoulder like you're wrapping it around yourself so tight that you could button it in the back and when you grasp that you can do that then you can pour in and give superpowers to those that you love more of your powers can show up for them, the lo- your loved ones, your job, whatever that is that's important to you. But if you don't start that, you're going to stay where you're at today. You're never going to move forward. you you know, it's always going to be why me? I wanted to do that. Why it's December 31st and you're still doing the same thing you did on January 1st. And so, thinking of those things that I described, Suzanne, I would love to know what what about you makes your your life and your journey has caught brought you into your own personal shiro.
0: I love that description. I think for me, the shift and the realisation that, you know, self first isn't selfish and for me isn't against you. So like sometimes if people ask or they, you know, want something and it's like, you know, it's a no from me, it's not a judgement or it's not saying that they shouldn't do it or it's not anything like that. It's just like, you know, I'm unavailable for this. And there's been a few things, especially in recently where people have been asking for things that is, you know, it's beyond my capacity. And I've just had to have a few conversations that are difficult, but, but the saying like, I prioritize my mental health over everything and everyone, because if I'm not well, then I can't be available for even, even my children. Like I think so many of us, you know, as mothers, M stands for MARTA. And I'm like, no, me first, even before my kids. And it causes contention with some people, and especially some people in my family. And it's like, but I can't, Hold the space for them. Like, I love your description of a cape. (laughs) Wrap the cape around me and then encourage them to foster their own capes rather than taking it off and laying it down as like the magic carpet, Aladdin style for them while I'm burning into the ground. So, for me, the real Shiro thing is it's been a few examples of where, you know, sitting with my children's disappointment or other people's disappointment and and not taking that on as my own. People are allowed, like, I heard something recently and I. I loved it. They talked about so often we are we are, we do things because we're worried we will harm others. And there's a difference between hurt and harm. And people can be hurt by you know my abruptness or my directness or whatever, but they are not harmed. Like when I say no to my children or when I hold a boundary or when I do something or or, or let them have a consequence to their action, that is they're going to feel hurt or they're going to feel disappointed, but they are safe. They are not harmed by this. So I think, you know, sometimes that the the decisions make or the the hard lines that I call that other people are like, oh, that's terrible. My my vision and my focus is that whole family dynamic, including me, not at the expense of me, and also is, you know, five, 10 years from now, what are they going to learn from these things that are going to help craft them to be the adult they're becoming rather than them not having the skills? Like I remember a few things that I've been like, I had no idea. The funniest story that relates to this. So do you know the game called The Sims? Yeah. So if, for the listeners, if you haven't heard of it, basically you have little people and they live a life. And it's kind of funny when you think about it, because like, why do we spend time in a games creating their life when we could just go and live their own? But anywho, I, I used to love it. My daughter loves it. She's nine. My seven-year-old has just started playing it. And I'm not, I showed him what to do. He doesn't really get it, but, you know, he's he's doing his best. And anyway, he comes over and he's like, "Mummy." someone's stealing my stuff. And anyway, I was busy. I was cooking dinner or something. So I said to my husband, I said, Jeremy, can you go and show him how to install a security system? He's like, okay, cool. All right. So he steals the security system or whatever. Anyway, five minutes later, they're stealing my stuff again. And Jeremy's like, I got it. And he comes over and he just bursts out laughing. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's the repo man. And I was like, oh, so I'm laughing. And my husband's like, what's a repo man? And we're like, well, you've got to pay your bills or they come and repossess your stuff. He's like, yeah pay bills? It's just so funny. Like he said, but he's like, "Wow, being an adult is so hard." But this is an example. When we don't teach them things, then there's a consequence. So it's kind of like you know, part of the Shiro's thing is you know shaping them. Like you know, yes, you buy the thing, but then there's utilities and stuff. So I think sometimes there is a lesson. I think of a few things where I moved out of home, and you, what do they say? You never realize how much your parents do for you until they're not there anymore. And it's like, yeah, no, to be the capable individuals who can fill out a form and do a load of washing and cook a meal and do all the things that they're going to need to do when I'm not there.
1: I love that. I love that game. I never really played it, but I knew friends who they played it as well. And you're right, because one of the things I taught my boys is to clean, like like to clean the house, you know, you do vacuum, you do, you know, those kind of things. And their girlfriends are very happy now that I taught them that stuff. Right. So it's really, really important. And, you know, even up to that seven, like seven years old, they need to learn those things because that's like you said, like teaching the repo man, you got to pay your bills like that's such an important, important lesson to learn. And the thing is is we don't teach that in schools anymore. I know when I went to school, we learned home ec was how to sew and, and cook and things like that. That was our home ec back then. And we had a, a sort of a finance class, but we don't do that anymore in our schools. It's not at least here we don't have that. I think they're trying to bring it back. And I remember a friend of mine was a teacher, and at least when they got to senior year of high school, they had this um kind of financial literacy class, but we don't teach the kids that anymore. And they, you know, and now we don't even write checks and checkbooks anymore. So, you know, all this, you know stuff that we do that we didn't do it that way. But I just love that you gave that example. So I want to ask you this question. So one of the things we're um, doing in the Shiro league is we are finding and sharing what brings us joy. And it's something like I'm, I talk about doing your goals for next year, starting in October, because I feel like October to the end of December, it's kind of quiet. Everybody's focused on the holidays. So take some of that time and work on what your goals are for the next year. So I told everybody, we're not going to talk goals in January. I want you to get through January, get your rhythm going for the year. But in February, which we started February, but it took, it was interesting. This is a tough, hard one for them. In February, we started with what brings you joy. And so they had to create a list, Suzanne, about 10 things that brought them joy. And they had to not just put down getting up in the morning. That's great. But why does getting up in the morning bring you joy, right? Are there kids? That's great. But what about your kids? I mean, my kids bring me joy every day because I had them on their mom. But what about them makes me joyful, right? Because sometimes our kids can really tick us off. You know, we may not find joy in them in that moment. But what about them brings you joy? So I'm not going to ask you for 10, but I would love for you to share with the listeners. What are your top three things that bring you joy? And why do they bring you joy?
0: Such a great question. The number one thing that brings me joy (laughs) is time on my own. I absolutely love being being in the house totally alone. It was so funny with COVID and the long lockdowns. Everyone's like, you must love it. You're such an introvert. I'm like, you don't get it. Everyone else is here. I'm not alone. And the reason, it's just what I, what I love about it, I feel in my body like that that quiet. I just feel my cells recharging. Like we plug a phone in to recharge, me being on my own, no one else here. Um, and what I do with that time can vary. Read a book, light a candle, sit in the sun, have a cup of tea. Um, but just that, that pure alone time where I can totally switch off, my phone's on aeroplane, um, just uh, that really revitalizes me. Uh, anything by the ocean so currently i live inland like an hour and a half from the beach which is tough for somebody so i substitute the bathtub (laughs) just being in water i feel um i feel recharged i feel connected i get my best ideas and for any of uh, my listeners listening to this because i'll share this up i write all my newsletters in the bathtub on my ipad um something recharging about the water um what else do i like I I love really bad comedy, like that is so bad that it's good. Um, and I love sharing that with my children. My husband's totally unavailable. He's like, I can't believe he watched this drivel. Um, same as reality TV. I'll throw myself under the bus. Like I know it's all scripted and it's not really reality, but I just love the mindlessness of drama that then I don't have to unpack and there's no mystery or murder or who done it or whatever. It's just like this is so dumb that it's funny. <laughs> and the other thing I really love, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's Diamond Dots. For anyone listening, it's like lazy person's cross-stitch. So instead of having the needle and thread, you basically have a piece of paper that's sticky, and then you lift the sticky back, and then you pick up these little dots with a with like a little wand, and you put them in place, and they're different colours, and you end up with a little pattern at the end. And... Um, the the process of doing it, it's funny. When I used to do them, a lot of people frame them and hang them up. I don't have the wall space for that. And also it's the process of doing it, the disconnecting, the like what happens at the end. Some I used to try and find people to give them to or donate them to like elderly people's homes or whatever. Now I just turf them and people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, you do a puzzle and you muck it up. So it's just kind of like that. It's the process of of spaciousness I find in the activity. Some people are like, I find that mindlessly boring. I'm like, that's why I like it. Cause I don't have to engage or think about anything else. But like things where I can just purely switch off bring me so much joy.
1: I love that because, you know, people do that. I'm not a crossword puzzle girl. So I'm going to have to look that up. It's called Dots, D-O-T-S.
0: Diamond Dots, D-O-T-Z.
1: Oh, okay. D-O-T-Z, D-O-T-Z. Awesome. I'm going to look that up because, you know. I know
0: from there, over, you guys can get it from Michael's or something. We don't have that here, but oh, I know okay, in America they sell yeah. it. <laughs> I'm going to have
1: to look that up because that's like a great way to like to keep your mind, you know, it's I can see it as relaxation, but also keep your mind somewhat sharp. So I think that's really... Yeah, I
0: listen to podcasts or I listen to audiobooks or I listen to something. So something, because I like to keep my hands busy. I, I don't tend to just listen. So I like that, you know, my hands can be doing that and then I can be listening to something. And people are like, how do you get through so many books or so many podcasts? I'm like, because yeah, walking is another one. I love to walk. Oh, that's um, awesome. But, you know, things where my brain can, you know, absorb the information, but I don't need to be like taking notes or anything like that. Right.
1: That's awesome. So now I love those examples of your joy. So now, Suzanne, we were talking, earlier and you made comment too about lists. We have all these lists and everything that we do or don't do or, you know, I got to finish this. The kids need that. So in order to do the things that bring us joy, there's things that we have to stop doing so we can get to that list that brings us joy. Like for me, I stopped the shoulds. That was a big one for me. The shoulds, just, you know, get rid of the shoulds. But thinking about what things need to be on your not to-do list so that you can do the dots so you can go for the walk so you can do the things that you enjoy, sit in the bathtub and all that stuff. What things need to be on Suzanne's list. Give us three things that are on your not to-do list.
0: Worry what other people think. Like that that happens a lot, and it's just like, yeah, this isn't this isn't my business. So you know, not worrying what other people think. Um, on my not to-do list. Oh, I never thought about a not to-do list before. I um, yeah, basically things that I don't want to do, I either delegate or I ditch. So if it's been on my to-do list for more than a week and it hasn't been done, it's either got to be delegated or ditched. So um, yeah, overthinking, um, stressing. Basically, anything that I don't find joy in, and people can think that that's luxurious or lazy, but like, yes, I know that I need movement. Exercise is another word. I have a word allergy to. <laughs> but it doesn't mean CrossFit or spin. or something. If you love those things, like more power to you, have fun. But the only time you're ever going to see me running is if somebody's chasing me. But like there's finding ways. So on my not-to-do list would be the way that it should be done or the best way like because the thing is that's the fastest way for me not to do it so finding a way to do the thing that either brings me joy or whatever and like things like ha- ha- housework i don't particularly enjoy that but once again earbuds in um distractions so that i get the job done but yeah no i don't really think of of a, a not to-do list i'd have to, you put me on the spot there i'm trumped <laughs> because yeah <laughs> yeah
1: it's a really it's it's hard because when you think about it you don't think about what am i doing to- it's stopping me from bringing enjoying the things I like to do. So, and I'm 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 not a runner either. I've always wanted to be a runner, but I've given that up. I'm not going to be a runner. And I know people are going, but pro think the opposite of run. No, the not. But I'm just going to tell you, I don't like to run. I played soccer in school. That was enough for me. <laughs> so that's so powerful. So tell everybody, Suzanne, how can they connect with you?
0: Best place to find me is my website. So it's suzannecolberg.com, S U Z A N N E C U L B E R G. I have, t- you could get lost on my website for hours. I, I used to have, it's funny, I've only recently rebranded it. I had website shame and I'd never tell anybody what it was. um But I've recently read or had it redone. Text, not my favorite thing. And there's so many things available to you there. I really encourage you to join my newsletter list. It's literally called newsletter. A lot of people say, oh, nobody wants to do that. My newsletters are fabulous. I send them out once a week. You now know I. I write them in the bath. And it's unique stuff, not things that I share anywhere else. It's not just, hey, here on the blog or new you on the podcast. It's, you know, my musings of that week. And um, if you want to reply or send me a message via email all the way, I will write back to you, me, not a bot or or my VA. Um, I love communicating via email.
1: Awesome. Well, we're going to make sure we drop all of that in there as well. So Suzanne, one of the things we're going to do, and I, and I apologize, I usually tell everybody before we do this, but we did and we got right into the show. So I have these cards they are called Better Questions, Better Life. And so Ooh, I like it. Oh, they're, they're amazing. You have to order them. Um, you go to betterquestionsbetterlife.com. They're not my cards. I get no money, you guys. I just love these cards. I meditate, dr- all kinds of things around these cards. So I'm going to shuffle them. I'm going to have you tell me when to stop. And then I'm going to read the card and have you answer that card. Okay. I love it. Okay. Right, so here we go. You tell me when to stop. Stop. All right. So what would it be like if it was easy? Oh.
0: I love that. My word of the year last year was ease. (laughs) Yeah, for me, what comes up immediately is just uh, relief. My shoulders relax. And I just think of not getting caught up in the minutiae of, you know, all the little things. It's like, you know, we'll figure it out. And I think, you know, childlike energy, it's like where they just go have a go, whereas sometimes as an adult, it's like, well, I can't do this because I don't have that and I don't have that. So if it's to be easy, um, I'd be embodying that childlike energy and I'd just be you know, figuring it out as I went along.
1: That is a great answer. I love that. That is so awesome. So I just want to thank you so much for coming and joining us here all the way from Australia in the next day of the world. And I appreciate you coming on. And for those that are listening, remember our retreat is in September the 14th of the 18th. And we have four spots left. So your cost the retreat includes everything you need at the retreat except for lunch out on Sunday. And you also get six weeks in our positive intelligence course. So a lot of what we talked about today with Suzanne, we talk about your, your those people pleasing, the martyr feeling, all of that stuff. We talk about how to release that and how to name your, your saboteur. And then you also get to attend our vision purse. So Suzanne, we make vision purses instead of vision boards. So you carry your purse with you wherever you go and all that's included. Plus, you get to be in the Shiro League that you hear me talk about often here. You get one year membership in the Shiro League. So that's like a $3,000 bonus that you're getting along when you sign up the retreat. So if you want to learn more about the retreat, go to WSLivingRetreats.com. So that's WSLivingRetreats.com and join us because you don't want to miss out. We only have four spots left. And before we sign off, again, I want to remind you that you come into this world, you're this rough oyster on the outside. And as you work on finding your inner self, you find your inner pearl. And I hope you go out today and I hope you find your inner pearl of greatness. Make it an amazing day. Hi, my name is Pearl Sharenza and I'm with Women's Successful Living. And I wanna tell you a little story. You see, once upon a time in the middle of COVID, I noticed that more and more women were overwhelmed. We were having to balance households. We we're having to become teachers. We we're having to work our job while we we're trying to become a teacher. We were sitting in our home with our children and our spouses or our loved ones and feeling overwhelmed. We were lost for where we we're gonna find space in our own house. So I was feeling that this overwhelm was stressing women out more, that they felt like they could not have a Calgon take me away moment. They felt like everywhere they turn, somebody in the house would find them or their job wanted them on another Zoom meeting. And I just felt so sorry for these women as I spoke with them and felt the pain because I too was feeling sorry. I was feeling sorry that I couldn't go out and do the things I love to do. I could go out, yes, and take a walk and sit on my front swing, but I couldn't go to the community meetings and the fundraiser functions or go have lunch with a friend or go to the movies with my husband or just take a, a moment away from everything that we're responsible for as moms and wives in our homes, right? You become, that CEO mom and you're running a household. But then if you're working outside of the household, not only are you a CEO mom, and if you're asking what a CEO mom is, that's a mom who is running the household. Because let me tell you, you're not sitting around eating bonbons every day. You truly are running a business of a home. But then maybe you also work outside of the home. And here you are, you're trying to balance working in the home, working outside the home. And then maybe you have children and you're having to learn how to become a teacher because bless our teachers, there are trying to learn a whole new way of teaching through Zoom. And so as I spoke to the women in my community and my clients, I found they were also feeling all this overwhelm. They were becoming stressed. They were sitting in in the home with all their children and their spouse, and they're going, I'm with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love you, but I don't love you that much. Were you feeling that way too? So I found as they were feeling this way that I had to do something. And every day, about a month after into the pandemic, I decided to try something new. I decided to create a space where we could meet via Zoom. And yes, I know another Zoom meeting, really, Pearl, but I just knew that was the only way that we could get together. And the rule was you had to go in a room where you could put a note in the door and say, I'm on a break. I'm on a timeout. Whatever you want to call it, you could make that note on your door. Because really, we have to take time for ourselves in order to really take time and care for our family, our loved ones, and our job the way we know we want to and we need to. So what I did I created what we called our self-care Sunday evening. And it actually became Sheroes is what we ended up naming it. Because we as women, we are the hero of the house. We're the hero of everything we do for our family, our friends, our job, whatever that is that you're responsible for, right? But are you really the hero for yourself? So that became important to me. So one day I decided I want to pour into these women. So I brought them together on a Zoom meeting. We met Sunday evening, 8 p.m. We finished up by 9 p.m. We just had conversations. What was challenging them? What was in pandemic Bringing up for them, how were they doing mentally? Were were they doing something to take care of themselves? And if you heard me before, I say bathtubs and taking baths are not self care, but really during the pandemic, sometimes that's all you could do was get in a tub with bubbles and take a few minutes for yourself, right? So as we poured into them, I I noticed that they were starting to enjoy the self care. They were starting to be less stressed. They were starting to communicate better with their family and their and their loved ones because they communicate why they were taking time for themselves. They were able to communicate that it's not that I don't love being with you. It's that because I love you so much, I need time for myself. So on Sunday evenings, we worked on things about self-care challenges. We created a challenge of self-care where every day they had to do something. It could be something that took them one minute, or if they wanted to, it could be something that took them an hour, but it was their job to do something for themselves every single day. And then because of that, they... They saw that their family, they were worried that their family might make them feel guilty. So we started incorporating ways that they could do self-care for ourselves as we also did something with our family, right? So in some cases, we found that we were sitting, we had moms sitting and just watching TV, silly cartoons with their children. That's self-care, right? Or maybe playing a puzzle game or putting a puzzle together. And then when it came to their spouses, we found that they were sitting and finding movies on Netflix or writing, playing cards, or even we gave them a challenge. We have a friend that has these great cards are called better questions, better life. We even would pull a card and have a discussion with our loved one around that card. And then as they were working from home, some of the our, our professional women were finding that their jobs were having much more demand on them, but because they were home, they could actually kind of have more time they could grab for them. Oh, well, you're home all day long, so you really don't need to take a break. So they started finding that some of their jobs and their bosses. We're expecting them to give more So we talked about how to set boundaries around our schedules We talked about how to set boundaries around how much we want to be on zoom And as we did that we found that the women were less stressed and they were actually performing their job performance better They're having better and more improved relationships with their loved one with their children And some of them also had family that were in nursing homes. So we were creative on how to spend that time with their loved ones, but also making sure that they were taking care of themselves. So as we did this... I saw that it was a need that needed to continue. So even though the pandemic is, as we know it today is over, I found that the women loved this so much, we needed to continue this. And who knew that three years ago when I started this, that it would grow into what we have today, this amazing community of women that we still meet every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. We talk about things that bring us joy. We talk about challenges we're having in our lives. We're talking about things we're having to overcome. We have some women that are struggling in their marriages. We're talking about how we pour into them and how to help them work through communication. We have amazing, amazing guest speakers that come in every month. We've had Jane Pilker come in and talk up to us about our mind and the neurological part of our mind when it comes to our eating and our health and sugar and how it affects our body. We've had and Torah come in and talk to us about the smile method and how we have things such as, just the smile within us that can make things like mock acceptance where we're accepting things because we think we have to accept them like for instance my loss of my son matthew I never knew that when I created this group three years ago, almost now, how much I needed these women. And because I have this community of women around me, I met Seth and Seth taught me about mock acceptance. And he taught me that, yes, I was accepting the loss of my son, but I wasn't truly believing that he was lost. And I was sort of like going through the motions. So ever since I have put this group together, this community of women, we have watched the women flourish. We have watched them have less stress. We've watched them communicate better with their loved ones. We've watched them put boundaries around their self-care so that they can achieve the things they want to, so that they can put their cape on first as they pour into their family even better. And ever since we've started this self-care Shiro group, it has grown where we now at our retreats, we have women joining us during our retreats. We meet every year. We have a retreat in September. It's a pajama retreat. You come in your PJs, no makeup. You have about four days at the beach, sometimes the mountains, depending on the year. We just have sessions and breakout groups on how do we improve on our self-care? How do we continue to communicate our needs to our loved ones? How do we find what our goals are and our visions are and how do we bring those to fruition? Because how many of you ever sat back and said, I have this big goal and I really want to do it, but nobody believes I can do it. I want you to know that we believe in you. We know that you can do it. And so if this is something that you want to learn more about and come and enjoy a great way to end your week and begin your week, I would love for you to join us because on top of our speakers, we also have an amazing meditation coach where she empowers us to sit down and just take some quiet time for ourselves and just be in our own space as we reflect on what we truly want within. And I am so honored to watch the progress and the growth that the women in this community have accomplished. And I cannot wait to see what's coming up for all of them and hopefully for you. And if this is something you would love to learn more about, I would love to invite you to come and visit us one Sunday evening. Like I said, it's a great way to end your week and a great way to start your week. What better to know that you've got a balcony of people sitting and waiting for you to join them, have a cup of tea maybe, and just do some laughing, maybe a little crying, but no matter what, know that you've got a girlfriend there to have your back. So if you're ready to check out the Shiro League, I would love for you to join us. All you have to do is email me at pearl at wsliving.com. that's pearl at wsliving.com, and I would love to connect you. I hope today you know that we've all come into this world. We're a little oyster. We might be a little rough on the outside, but on the inside, you have a pearl, and I hope you find your pearl to greatness today as you become the shiro I know you are. My name is Pearl Sharenza. Do you know what your score is for your self-care? Find out today. Go to pearlssurvey.com. That's pearlssurvey.com, and see what your score is today.